Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing the one, the only, Crystal Blackwell. Crystal, welcome to the show. Hi, welcome. How are you? I am doing fantastically well. Now, you are not someone who grew up and said, hey, I think I'm going to become a speaker. What did you do before getting on stages and doing trainings and workshops and such? You know, I think I've been public speaking probably since I've been talking, you know, I've always, you know, wanted to, you know, I commanded some sort of attention either within my family, um, with a school, I always wanted to raise my hand to be the girl who was wanting to read first. Um, and, and then, of course, it went on into my to my career in leadership. And I have always believed, you know, I was a corporate leader that presentation skills was sort of a foundation um, of characteristic of a good leader. Um, and not that you had to be great at it, but you had to have practiced it and um, feel at least somewhat comfortable doing it. So I never, um, I never called myself a speaker or even, even measured it. I just, I just did it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, you know, I, I think I, can completely relate to what you're saying in terms of you never really put that label on yourself. You just did it. And I like to tell people to get better at public speaking. It's Mm -hmm. something that you make part of your everyday practice Mm -hmm. where every single thing you say, and it doesn't matter to whom you're speaking, it's a presentation. Even if you're at the post office, talking to the clerk, ordering a book of stamps, it's a presentation. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, right. Because you know what? Your presentation is who you are, your brand. It's, it's what people remember. They remember your tone, your inflection. They remember um, if you're excited or if you sound sad or if you're even angry or upset. That's, that's who you are and that's what they remember. Um, people remember what you say. So it is important that, that you think that your words are so powerful that you are a public speaker in all things that you say and do. Now, in your first response, Crystal, or in your response to my first question, rather, I remember you said something to the effect of, I've just always commanded some kind of attention. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Is there a secret sauce that you can give all of us right now for how we can do that? Yeah. You know, I always spoke from my heart. I never was one that did really well with um, having a script. I think scripts are good for guidelines. Scripts, you know, um, help you, you know, move the message. But I've always spoke from the heart. So even if I'm chit-chatting with some girlfriends, you know, I'm speaking from my heart. If I'm speaking with my clients, it's from my heart. So I try to be authentic and just remain crystal and not be someone else. And I think people, people, they lean into that. They want people to be who they are, authentic. So sometimes I may mess up a word or I may not be the best, but I'm me. And I think that that resonates with people because we see so much um, people trying to not be themselves. So I'm just crystal Blackwell showing up. 
Now you said sometimes you may miss, mess up a word. I just messed up a word <laughs> by trying to say mess up. I was going right. to say yeah. mess up. Yeah. How do you recover from hiccups, whether it is on the stage or just professional? Yeah. Uh, you know, I laugh at myself because I know I'm not perfect. You know, I don't have this whole thing. I have to be perfect. You know, perfection to me, the root of that is a fear. And because you're never perfect. Um, am I striving to be excellent? Oh, hell yeah. Every day I'm striving to be excellent. Excellence is part of one of my personal mantras. Um, but that takes practice, work, um, building yourself up, sometimes training, coaching, investing in yourself is really what helps me become excellent. So when I mess up, I will usually say like, okay, I messed that word up. I laugh at it. And again, people appreciate it because we all mess up. You know, so I don't take it seriously. <laughs> it's going to be hard for listeners to tune in and say, this lady is not confident. This lady has not always been confident. It's hard for people to believe that there's a little bit of complication to you being a confident speaker. And before getting on the air, there was a questionnaire where you share with me, you know what, Bridget? It's not a yes that I've always been a confident speaker. It's not a no that I've not always been a confident speaker. Bridget, it's kind of complicated. Talk to us about that complication. Yes, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to, to, to elaborate on that because, you know, I'm confident when I truly know the information I'm delivering um, because of a personal experience, because I've lived it. And oftentimes when I'm speaking, I am speaking from a personal experience um, because I do leadership um, training and also I do, I'm in a big space of diversity, equity, inclusion. Oftentimes I, I, I lived it. So that, that I can show up naturally confident, but if it's new material or new, I'm in a new space, which I love to, you know, put myself in an uncomfortable spot. Um, I, you know, I'm not as comfortable, confident. So I have to practice and practice and practice in the mirror, practice, you know, I may call up a friend and practice over Zoom. I mean, I practice to raise the bar of confidence. I still may not show up 100% crystal confident on that but I'm going to give it my best and the practice and all that I invest beforehand helps that. And again, you know, the more I continue to speak on that topic increases the levels. I love that 100% crystal confident. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> it's something about that slight alliteration that drives me wild in a good way. <laughs> Thank you. Crystal black. What, what was that? Go ahead. I said, thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I love alliteration. It's that English minor in me. <laughs> Crystal Blackwell is the founder and CEO of Crystal Clear Results, LLC. She has more than 20 years experience serving in senior leadership roles in Fortune 100 companies, such as Liberty Mutual and Chase Bank. Crystal is an expert in enhancing overall well-being in workforce performance and helping employees optimize their professional development. Crystal has partnered with various organizations providing consulting, leadership coaching, and or training supporting diversity, inclusion, and equity. Leadership and wellness workshops, Crystal's gifts gift is engaging her clients by building a trusting relationship with tools and practical results-driven solutions. And this is really exciting. Crystal was honored in 2021 for Micro Business of the Year by the Chandler Chamber of Commerce in Chandler, Arizona. And she was a recipient of the 2022 
Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Keeping the Dream Award by our United States Congress. And a fun fact, Crystal enjoys spending time with her family, traveling, a couple of fun facts actually, traveling, shopping, (laughs) and listening to classic jazz. Talk to us about what you love training on like what is at your heart if I said Crystal I need a workshop in one hour what would you deliver <laughs> oh girl I've, I've got so much in, in, in my wheelhouse in my back pocket but um and, and I'll be honest I don't have like a favorite all time I go through waves so right now I'm really really loving doing training around diversity equity inclusion diverse um generations in the workplace because that's becoming another topic, you know, people are struggling, you know, with this whole quote unquote, great, um, reset, you know, this great resignation going on in the workplace, people are leaving. Um, the question is why what's going on. So, you know, I really love talking about how we show up uniquely different, um, and digging into what diversity really means in, in, in a global sense beyond race and beyond, you know, culture um, and helping leaders and people who are in workplaces understand that being uniquely different um, is the way God created us on purpose so that we can add value. So we're running from it and we really should run to it. Mm. Tell me what is something that people would be surprised to know about you when it comes to your presentations? Uh, I am always super nervous, like the first sentence. So it's always, I'm always almost like I'm getting something out. Once I get it out, I'm fine. But that first 15 seconds, I'm like that 10 year old girl at the school, reading the school play, looking out at all the audience, the parents, I'm that, I get really nervous and then instantly I kind of push through it. And it happens every time. And I always say that little anxiety just keeps me, keeps me humble, keeps me real. You know, if I don't feel that, then I'm not feeling what I'm doing. Ooh, you're right about that. Because when you get to the point where you're not having some sort of nervousness, mm-hmm. then I think you should be concerned. Right. Having that, yes, having that nervousness means that deep down inside as a speaker, you're wanting to make sure you do a good job. You're wanting to make sure you bring it. What do you do to ensure that your presentations do bring it? Like how, Mm -hmm. how do your presentations stand out from the next person who's speaking on the exact same topic? Well, a couple of things, and I, I have my own formula. I, I believe practicing is huge, you know, so I, I think you have to practice, know your material. You have to know what you're talking about. You know, you can't um, wing it. And then I always personalize it. And I think what my brand is, I'm very um, I'm relatable. I use my, I use um, current topics and pop, you know, pop culture and whatever this in the news that's relatable I know my audience. I will not get in front of a group that I don't understand who's there. So I, I'll ask questions. I like to interview who's over that group or who I'm working with. Like, who, who am I speaking to? And I like to customize my message to my audience. So I can have that same, you know, 
um, diversity and equity and inclusion generations in the workplace for one organization, you know, say I'm speaking, giving that to one organization, and it could show up completely different from another because the audience is different, the pain points are different. So I, I just, I'm just not a one size fit all. I'm, I customize. I like to have fun because guess what? I want to have fun. I'm fun. So, you know, I like to, you know, I, I keep it personal. I tell personal stories. Oh my God. Everybody knows my kids' business, my business, my husband. I, you know, I'm open. Um, I get permission. You know, I always get permission before I tattle. Right. But yeah. So right, right, right. I love telling stories. Who doesn't like a good story? Right. You know, it's so- that mental hook. Yeah, it's it, it's it's what will actually I let me think. I recently wrote a, an article where I was talking about humor in presentations, not mm-hmm. stories, but humor. But as I was writing that piece about humor facilitating learning, mm-hmm. it reminded me of how stories facilitate learning. Mm-hmm. Stories and humor, moments of levity, both of the, or all three of those, if you will, but the humor and levity, they're kind of synonymous with each other, but they cause a different part of the brain to work, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be those stories or mm-hmm. those those little injections of humor that mm-hmm. will cause people to remember whatever the content was that was connected to those stories. Absolutely. You know, I'm reminded of, I believe it was 2011, President Obama's State of the Union Address. Mm-hmm. And he made this joke about the bureaucracy behind, oh, I believe something dealing with salmon. And how all of the hoops you have to jump through and all of the red tape and everything. And he made a joke, which really in, in and of itself was not funny at the time, but he made a joke and the punchline was smoked salmon. Mm-hmm. Now, the next day, NPR decided to poll its listeners and they were asked to sum up President Obama's speech in three words. <laughs> Do you know? Yes. Do you know the word that was used the most was salmon? believe it that was the one that most people remembered because there was this humorous little story little joke that went along with it now some people worry oh my goodness people are only going to remember the stories they're only going to remember those departures from the content should people worry about that when they're thinking about adding stories to their presentations well, you know, everything's a strategy. So even though I like to have fun and do all this and have humor, there is strategy to all things. And your stories need to be purposeful and tie into your messaging. So if I'm trying to drive home a point, I make sure that my story is driving that point. It's, you know, it's, it's the car, you know, and, and, and the gas in the car is the point I'm driving. So, uh, you know, you just can't make sure your, your stories line up. Um, so you may have to have a couple of stories in your toolkit and you guess what? It's okay to repeat stories from one organization to another. I mean, some of them are just darn good, you know, and they make sense. So I, I don't, I make sure that my stories matter. They're meaningful. Um, also, I believe in my experience that storytelling and humor and being authentic and your be yourself, whatever that, however that shows up, it delivers trust. And people are automatic when they're looking up at you, if you can get that trust right away, just being yourself and being comfortable with yourself, then they'll open up to wherever you're taking them. Uh, And that's why I like to use those types of things in in heavy, it could be heavy conversations about race, 
you know, sometimes I go into that heavy, deep space about race and equity, you know, what, what, us, what is equity versus equality? We're digging in and I have courageous conversations with CEOs and board of directors. And let me tell you, I don't hold back, but I build trust with them knowing me telling them, Hey, I'm on the journey too. And I'm learning, I learn all the time and I'm authentic about my stories um, and I pull them in and they still may not 100% agree because that may not be um, their goal. You know, I think sometimes we think our goals are their goal and that's not necessarily true, right? You're shaking your head like, you know what I'm talking about. Um, You're planting (laughs) seeds, right? Sometimes we're seed planters. So what I try to do is make sure that everything lines up and it goes back to practice. You know, I, I practice it. Um, you know, I practice uh, the day before. I kind of go over. I have quiet time. Um, you know, I always, you know, I'm a faithful person. So I always pray that whatever happens in this space is, is the divine supposed to remove me out the way. Um, and I love it. Absolutely love In a little it. bit. In a little bit, you'll be able to ask me a question. So I want you to get ready for that. Mm -hmm. Now, it is evident that you love what you do. And I'm sitting here taking notes because there were a couple of things that really caught my attention and I need to decide which direction I want (laughs) to go. One thing that definitely caught my attention was when you said you're planting seeds. Mm -hmm. When you brought up the fact that sometimes your audience has a goal that does not align with your goal Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you, well, what do you do in that instance? But you answered it by saying, I'm planting seeds. So for listeners, if you find yourself in that situation where you've done your due diligence, you've spoken with your event contact, you've conducted the interview, maybe even had the opportunity to speak with some of the participants that will be in the audience. Absolutely. Sometimes, yes, sometimes don't think that's off limits, everybody. If you're working with an event coordinator, Mm -hmm. yes, ask as many questions as you can. What are the demographics of the audience? What is their experience with this topic? How many years have they been with your organization? What do you want them to know or be able to do at the end of this presentation? Right. Ask all of those questions, but even say, you know what, would it be okay if I talked to two or three people who will be in the audience so I can really make sure I'm customizing this and tailoring Mm -hmm. this? And believe it or not, oftentimes it's not a problem that they are happy to facilitate, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. But you will find yourself, maybe that's not an option, or maybe you forget to ask, or maybe you just don't have the time, frankly, to do that interview. All you can do is talk with the event coordinator, and then you find yourself in that position, like you said, where the goals are not aligning. What do you do? You are up there planting seeds. Remember that. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) And you know, if you don't know, it's okay to ask the question, was there anything that I did not deliver to you? Is there any, was there something, a topic that you came today that you wanted to cover that I did not cover? Um, And then I always offer myself up after the event um, for people to walk up to you. I tell you, there's a lot of folks, especially our introverts, they're taking stuff in, they're taking stuff in and they'll come later. And I always offer, you know, how to reach me. Um, I may get an email question, may get a quick phone call. So I think offering, um, uh, various ways of contacting me 
afterwards really stretches out to people who like to maybe process the learning and then hanging out afterwards just for that one little quick side chat. Mm. You know, you made me think about something else, Crystal, in terms of giving people multiple ways to contact you. Mm-hmm. Here's something that I started doing, and I can't remember, maybe it's it was back in 2020, I guess. I have a website, mm-hmm. connectwithb.com, mm-hmm. connectwithb.com. And it has exactly how to find me, whether you want to find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, if you want to find my coaching site, my speaker site, my publishing site, if you want to order my books, if you want to tune into my podcast, because we all have so many different ways to reach each other. You're on social media, you have email, you have a newsletter. There's all these different ways. So everybody, if you are starting to find yourself where you're doing more speaking, more speaking and people are wanting to find ways to get in touch with you, try to make it as easy as possible. And so that was one route that I went because I would find myself on interviews where I'm rattling up, okay, and go here to connect with me on LinkedIn and go here to connect right, with me. Right. And it's like, ah, there, nobody's going to connect. I love that idea. I think it's a great idea. I'm, look, I'm, I, may, look, I may steal that. I love that. It's good. Do it's that. Nice. I'm, I love it. Yes. And I think Linktree has something very similar right. where you can have all of the ways to reach you, but just make it easy for people so they truly can reach out to you mm-hmm. a little bit later and, and further the conversation. Now, mm-hmm. something else you said that caught my attention too, and I'm so happy you brought it up. You were talking about how you'll use the same story mm-hmm. with different audiences and that it's okay. You know, sometimes people worry about, oh, I've got to do something different. Let me tell you, if it is a different audience, you don't have to do anything different. They've not heard XYZ message and you're selling them short if you give them a different message. If you know you've not presented whatever material, just because you presented that same keynote last week or that same workshop last month Mm -hmm. to another organization, it's not cheating to give the same material they they deserve it. This next audience deserves to hear it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I use the same story several, but one it always pops up and people get a kick out of is the one that I use my mother, who's of a different generation. Her generation is a traditionalist. So she's born in the 30s. Okay. So I was walking her through how, um, you know, do the different ways we, we've changed using, instead of saying you know, cognitive disabilities, how we, how we arrived there and all the different labels. So I had walked her through that and she was just like, well, who came up with that one? Well, what does that mean? So you mean I need to say cognitive disabilities now? And it wasn't that her heart wasn't in it. It was that this woman was born in the 30s and she sat back and watched us evolve. So I can't be impatient, right? Um, I have to help her in the journey which means there's people in my audience who may be in her space saying, okay, we've changed the wording on that. I'm not politically correct. Someone's going to get after me. What's the right word and why? Why are we saying that? So I always use her because she's, she's pretty funny. She's my um, test for um, sharing new ideas. 
Yes, yes, yes. That reminds me of when I used to teach. I used to teach, I taught for three different institutions of higher learning, but I used to teach for Prairie View A&M, Lone mm-hmm. Star College in, in the Houston area, and I taught for University of Phoenix online. And I remember I would say to myself and I would tell my students, if you can explain this concept to someone from another generation, got then it. you've learned it. You got it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It, 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 absolutely. Explain it to them but explain it in a way where they can then go explain it to somebody else. And you know what, Bridget, you brought up a really good point because our audiences are various generations. So one of the questions I like to ask about the audience is, you know, what generation am I, am I who's, who's, who has my lens? And they said, well, they're millennials and then there's some Gen Zs and some baby boomers. Well, then I know how to, um, what language, and I'm going to sprinkle language for all generations to connect the dots. So no one's left out. You know, so I may say something that the Gen Zs are saying that's maybe hip and cool or what have you, but then the baby boomers are like, <laughs> what, wait, what is she talking about? So I have to stay plugged in because my audiences range four generations, um, but I'm kind of lucky because my household covers four generations. So I just, I just, again, I, like you said, I practice with different people. Hey, does this make sense to you? Um, and if it doesn't fix it, don't take it personal, just fix it have all different generations in your circle, either in your professional circle or in your personal circle. And you made me, you made me laugh when you said, I might say something that's hip and cool to Gen Z's. And I, I remember saying something to that effect to some Gen Gen Z's and they let me know, well, Bridget, number one, it's not hip or cool to say hip or cool. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Right, right. I'm still, I'm still laughing at the fact that dope has been rebought, has been repurposed. You know, everything is repurposed. So, you know, sometimes I laugh at that. <laughs> right. They think they've come up with something new, yeah, right? Something new, I remember, right? I think it was in the '90s when we thought we were doing something with bell bottoms. History right. repeats itself. Right. right? And all the generations were like, "Please, we invented right. bell bottoms. Yeah, Y'all are not doing anything absolutely. new." <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> But then when I mess oh, up, I, again, I laugh at myself like, okay, that's not cool to you guys, but I thought I was really bringing it. <laughs> right. right. I thought I was being fresh. Right. I thought I was, I was dope. <laughs> you got it. I love it. Okay, Crystal, what's your question for me? So I do have a question for you. So what um, turns um, the Bridget McGowan switch on? Ooh, the Bridget McGowan switch never gets turned off. That's- <laughs> love it. I love that. So we how do you heard the phrase? Yeah, we've all heard it? the phrase. Right, right. We've all heard the, the, the phrase, uh, what is it? Stay ready so you don't have to get ready, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember my first time hearing it, I rolled my eyes, right? Mm-hmm. And then I thought, no, that makes sense. You mm-hmm. never know when an opportunity is going to present itself. You never know who's watching you. You just never know. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think it really stays on, right. right? And I think about, I have two different options. We all have options. We all have choices. Right. And I can either show up and be dull, forgettable, insignificant, mm-hmm. or I can show up and I can be electric and Mm -hmm. memorable and Mm -hmm. exciting. And so I choose the latter because what's life worth if you don't decide 
to be the best version of yourself in front of every single person you encounter. Now, do I have days when I'm just a bum, when I'm just not feeling it, where I'm just like, oh, don't bother me? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm human. Right, right, right. But when it matters, when it's important, which is most of the time, yes, right. I just keep that. I keep that switch on. What mm-hmm. turns the Crystal Blackwell switch on? Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know what I'm in my purpose, so it's pretty easy. Quite frankly, it's it's me being me. Um, I can remember a time when I had to turn my switch on to be something else because I wasn't in my purpose. You know, and it wasn't a bad space. Actually, it was a really good space. I call that space, I was in school, actually, and learning, building, getting my tools to be here where I'm at. So now it's, you know, kind of what you're saying, um, it's, it's, it's who I am. You know, I'm, I'm in my purpose. I'm happy. Um, it's, you know, it's about perfecting it, being authentic. Um, and when I'm not electric, uh, I'm even okay with that because, you know, Sometimes people need to see a little bit of that portion too, um, you know, as well. You know, I'm not saying I'm going to bring the dark part. I mean, not that, but if I'm just not 100%, I'm okay with that because, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pull out of it quickly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty easy. I'm, I'm, I'm in my space. I'm doing what I was created to do. And that's important too, is really knowing what's your jam. When you find your jam, it's easy to show up. It's easy to speak on it. You're not worried about who's going to like it, who's not going to like it. When you find that that zone of genius, it's easy to keep the switch on. Right, it is. And, you know, and I wish our education system talked about it when kids are in kindergarten and really started planting the seed of purpose, finding your jams, your sweet spot, whatever you want to use. It's all the same thing. When they're young, getting them to start figuring out their gifts and talents um, really opens up the door for that and honing in on that and then teaching kids the language and then giving parents more of the language too to help foster and water it so that when they're getting to the point where they're ready to blossom, it is easy. It does feel good. It's like Bridget McGowan, the switch is always on. You're in your lane. It's you're having fun. You love what you do. You love being creative. You're always looking for the next best. Every day you wake up probably like me, excited about what the day has to bring. Not to say we don't have obstacles. Absolutely. Well, obstacles probably are like problems for us. I get kind of excited to want to solve them, you know, because that's like, all right, that means I get time to grow, but you have to get there. So I wish we would can more in our, in our culture start allowing people to try new things, um, hone in on their gifts to allow them to get there sooner rather than later. And some people, unfortunately, never arrive. I, it's, I, feel, I it's, feel blessed. Right, right. It's really disappointing. I mean, I will even say I am so disappointed that I didn't realize how much I enjoyed professional speaking and mm-hmm. how, how it just really... I mean, I'm a different person when I get on a microphone, right? And people sometimes are disappointed when, you know, they happen to see me after a presentation. I'm (laughs) sitting somewhere, you know, drinking some water and eating a snack. And and I'm just, yeah, hey, what? You know, (laughs) what you want? What you want to talk about? (laughs) And they're looking for the show, right? They're looking for the show. But I regret that I didn't know that that was my jam. 
a long, long, long time ago. So everybody figure out what is it that you can just do effortlessly that whether it's researching something, talking about something, performing some kind of task, whatever it is, what is it that you can just essentially do in your sleep without even hardly putting any thought or energy into it, but you can do it incredibly well. Absolutely. That's your genius. Right, right. And the thing is what makes you, I think what people, everyone wants to be different and unique. The different unique is you. You know, you, you hear this, be yourself. I don't think people actually sit and understand what be yourself really means. That's the uniqueness. So you and I can do the same, you know, presentation. I'm going to be uniquely Crystal Blackwell. You're going to be uniquely Bridget McGowan because we're uniquely different people. So there's no competition. There's no competitiveness going on because we're unique. I know my gifts and talents. You know yours. Everyone knows theirs, hopefully, or or looking to uncover them. So I think we often want to emulate others or downplay what we do or not really be yourself. But being yourself is a unique part that separates you from others. That's it. Spot on. Okay, now the time has finally come. What is the last thing that audience members need to hear that listeners need to know in order to make sure they're always showing up and setting their setting their listeners on fire mm-hmm. well i've said it several times and it's, it remains to be true um practice know your know your stuff you know that's the, that's not fun i know that's not sexy <laughs> i know that's not electric but that's foundational stuff that um people who um you know there's good there's great. The great ones, they practice. The great ones, they know their materials. The great ones do their research. Um, you know, the good ones, you know, there's days I know I could slide through. I know it. And Bridget, I know you, we can slide through this. But when I practice and I do the work, um, then there's a great. And I'm about trying to be great at all things, especially in this space. So I leave that with the audience. And I even say that to myself every day. There's good and then there's great. Even my email says, be great. Um, And there is a difference. You're right about that. You're absolutely right about that. Even when you don't feel like pushing through, when it matters, and you have to say to yourself, does this matter? And I'm not saying there are instances where, people don't matter or life doesn't matter. I'm just saying, you know, it's almost like with raising children and you say to yourself, pick your battles Mm -hmm. in this instance, when it matters. And even if you don't feel like it dig deep so that you can show up, show Mm -hmm. out and shine with that greatness that you know was there, but somebody who's never seen you before an audience who's never heard you before. They don't know. They don't know. Give them what you've got. Give them what they came to get. Oh, and Crystal, you, you, you gave us what we came to get today. I think. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. Thank you. This has been a, this has been a joy and a pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. It is an honor. It's always an honor to be in your presence. You're such a um, delight. You know, I've told you that before personally, inside and out, you're beautiful. Um, I don't just say that to a lot of people. I, I enjoy watching you blossom. Um, it just excites me when I see talented people do their thing, work their jam. You are killing the game. I'm excited to, to, to watch that. I, everyone feeds off everyone. When you grow, I grow. When I grow, you grow. And I'm just grateful for this opportunity. And thank you. 
Well, I appreciate you, Crystal. You do amazing work and it shows with everything that you do, awards you've won, recognitions that you've received. I could go on down the list. So I want you to keep what you do so I can know who I want to be and how I want to be when I finally grow up. (laughs) It's iron sharpens iron. (laughs) There you go. Iron sharpens iron, everybody. That is so true. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Crystal, thanks for being with us. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone.